Masechet Kitin Daf Ayin Gimel. This stuff will be about the intricacies of this retroactive condition and what happens during that in-between time. Uh, we'll see the next Mishnah will, will be all about that. And now we have a Tosefta also that will address this. Tenoda Banan Zegitech Mehayom Immati Meholize Venafala Bait Alav Ohikisho Nahash Eno Get. Husband says, Here is your get. Uh, it will be take effect from now if the following condition is fulfilled that I die from this sickness right right now he has cancer and so if I die from this sickness then you will be retroactively divorced from now good that's the typical case we've been speaking about here's the complication but in the meantime the house fell upon him or a snake came and bit him and he died from that accident he did not die from cancer Um, in this case it's not a get even though his intention was i don't want you to be subjected to yibum uh, so that if i die you know go ahead i want you to be divorced so you can marry just go ahead and marry right away nevertheless in this condition he says if i die from this disease and he did not die from that disease he died from something else therefore it's not a get on the other hand, if his condition, he's worded it a little bit differently in the, in the negative. He says, if I don't get better from this disease, then here is your get from now. Uh, meaning that if he uh, revives, he becomes healthy, then the get will be canceled. But if he does not recover, then the get should uh, take effect. So when he says this, he has in mind, he's thinking, if I don't recover, meaning if I die from that disease. But he didn't say if I die from that disease, he just said if I don't recover. And now in the meantime, uh, once again, a house falls on him or a snake bites him. That is a good get because he did not recover from that disease, right? He never recovered from the disease and that's it. Now he's dead. But So even though he didn't die from this disease, he died from something else. Nevertheless, it's still true that he did not recover from the cancer. And therefore, um, it is a good get. All right, so that's the simple reading of the Tosefta. And in fact, in the Talmud Yerushalmi, reads the Tosefta exactly as, as that, that you're looking at the technical condition of his word, the wording of his condition. And so here, technically, it's not true. He did not die from this disease. And so, therefore, it's not a get. Whereas in the second clause, technically, it is true that he never got better from that disease, and therefore, it is a get. That's the simple reading of this Tosefta and how the Yerushalmi reads it. The Bavli, however, is not going to read it this way. The Bavli says, What's the difference between the first and the second? The Bavli is going to end up saying that this uh, Tosefta is Mishubash. It's problematic. It makes no sense to distinguish between these two cases. Okay, why is the Bavli doing this? It seems the Bavli is not focusing on the technical wording of the condition, but rather on the intention, the idea, right? The intention of the husband is that if I should die, I want you to be divorced. And so what's the difference if he says it in the positive or in the negative, if he says, if I die, or if he says, I don't get better, it should be the same thing. This point is that he had in mind, he thought he's going to die from this disease. And in the end, he died from something different. And so the Bible is going to make this all about when you make a condition, um, do you have in mind an unusual circumstance? The usual circumstance, right, a 95% chance is that he would die of cancer. Only 5%, 1% chance is that he would die from something else, from a snake or a, or a house falling on, on his head. 
And so the question is like, did he have that in mind? Also, if I die any or did he or do people not have unusual circumstances in mind? But the Bible is not going to distinguish between this language and that language. Okay. Now, Shalhumitam Achalo Arye Ari and Lanu. they sent a ruling to Babel from Eretz Yisrael, and, uh, and uh, in the, ru- the ruling said, what if a person made this condition, whatever language he said exactly, doesn't matter, and then a lion ate him. Now, now a lion eating someone is very, very unusual. Um, you know, people are sometimes more scared of that, or sharks, but, right, people eat, getting eaten by sharks is so rare, uh, um, it's only because of jaws that we're scared of it. So this is like super rare, and uh, and so they sent a ruling from Eretz Yisrael, says we don't know what the law would be um, and if that for sure would be a get or not um, it sounds like in Eretz Israel where they interpreted this uh, uh, you know more literally even if he said if I don't get better from this sickness so okay it will be a get if he dies from something else but if a lion ate him that's like really unusual and so we um, uh, don't think it should be a get, but really enlanu means where we don't have an answer to that. All right, now we have a story. The story is not about a get, but we're going to compare the two because it is about uh, the question of do we take into account an unusual circumstance. So a person sold land to another and the seller said, I will accept upon myself responsibility for anything that may happen. Generally, a seller accepts upon himself responsibility for normal things that happen, like, you know, if this is going to be repossessed by a de- different um, a debtor, right, then I'll pay you back. But what if, it, uh, but if he takes into account and says, I, I accept even an unusual thing that happens to it, I will pay you back, right? This sale is guaranteed. In the end, uh, the, uh, some, uh, the government diverted a river uh, and put up some dams, diverted a river right onto that land. So the buyer says, hey, my land is ruined, comes to the seller and says, I want you to pay me for the land that you sold me. You told me you're going to guarantee no matter what happens. But this is a very unusual thing. How often does uh, the government decide to divert a river into your land? So I I meant, uh, you know, common things that will happen, um, like there's some kind of blight on uh, on the land, but this is a very unusual thing to happen. So does the seller have to pay for it or not? So they came to Ravina, and Ravina says, you have to tell the seller, go and pay him back. You said that you're going to be responsible for any honest that should happen. And even though this is unusual, still, this is included in your condition, you have to pay. That, that's the uh, ruling of Ravina. No, this is a, an, an accident that is not common. And if you have something that's so uncommon, so you don't have to take that into account, and therefore the seller should not have to pay, right? This is, you know, like insurance companies, they pay for accidents. But when something is so unusual, an act of God, a lightning or whatever, right, then they, then they say, oh, this is too unusual. We don't pay for such things. Okay. So this matter was circulating. It went from different courthouses, different rabbis were weighing in until it got up to Rava. And Rava agreed with Rava Bataklifa and said, 
This is a un very unusual circumstance, and therefore, seller does not have to pay. But Ravina, who gave the original ruling that he does have to pay, challenged Rava from the Badaita that we started with. If a husband says, here is your get, if I don't uh, revive, um, get better from this sickness, and then an unusual thing happened, like the house fell on him or a snake bit him, we do take into account the unusual circumstance, and we consider that still a case of not getting better, and therefore, the get does take effect, right? This is true. You didn't um, get better from this sickness, even though the reason you didn't get better from the sickness is not because you died from cancer, it's because you died from something else altogether. The point is, we do take into account unusual accidents, and therefore, here too, we should take into account unusual accidents and make the seller pay. That's uh, Ravina's question. Ravina said, you're asking me a question from that Braita? You only picked the second half of the Braita. I'll tell you back the first half of the Braita when the husband says, here is your get if I die from this sickness and, um, and, then, and then the house falls on him and it's not a get. You see from there that we do not take into account unusual circumstances. He had in mind, if I die in the usual way that I expect to die, since, you know, this is a, uh, uh, most people will die from a sickness like this if they have it. Um, and, but yet, uh, but so if he dies from an unusual way, we do not take that into account, into account and the, the condition is not fulfilled. So Rava says, I have the first half of the bright on my side. You're asking me a question from the second half? And so now, Ravacha uh, tells Ravina, uh, he's backing up Ravina. He says, wait a second, just because you have a, um, a contradiction between the first half and second half of the Braita, does that mean you can't ask from it? Right? In other words, Ravina asked a good question from the second half. So just because the first half is the first half, that's a different source, right? Different story altogether. Okay, that's a different question. What does the first half mean? But I asked you a question from the second half. That's an authentic section halacha from a Braita. So you should be able to answer the question, right? How is that? How is Rava um, answering the question by quoting the first half? Ravina says, in fact, Rava was correct, even though Ravina was the one challenging Rava, but he accepted Rava's answer. He says, indeed, there is a, diff there is a difficult contradiction between the Resha and the Sefa, and therefore, this Paraita must be, was never officially authenticated in the Bet Midrash, because it's corrupt. Right, um, and uh, and therefore we have to reject it and follow our own reason. If we don't have a tradition regarding a certain matter, then we have to figure it out ourselves. And um, it's most re reasonable to say that this condition uh, was uh, would not include something uncommon, unavoidable accident. And therefore, it is uh, as it says in the second half, uh, as it says in the first half, that would not be a get. Right? That's just what reason would say. And I, I can't rely on the second half that says you do take into account unusual circumstance because it contradicts the first half. And then this whole baraita we have to reject because it's self-contradictory. Right? So this is really interesting where we have a baraita that is quoted in the Yerushalmi and is explained in the Yerushalmi and actually does not seem to be anything wrong with it. You can read the, 
b'raita just fine by looking to, at the technicality of the wording of the condition, and here it's fulfilled, and here it's not fulfilled, because one's positive and one's negative, if I will die from it, if I will not get better from it. But the Bavli, in general, is more conceptually based than the, than the Talmud Yerushalmi. And so then the Bavli, they're going to take into account intention, Right of the person more the intention of the person make the, making the condition and look at it from a conceptual point of view. Right, what's at issue here? It's not just a technical wording because really they mean the same thing. If you'd ask the husband, right, did you mean to say when you said if I get better or if I if I if I die from this or if I get better from that, um, if I don't get better from that, right? Did you mean to make a distinction? And the, most husbands would say, no, I didn't mean. I, I I was just saying it's the same thing, right? If I die from this, if I don't get better from this, um, they meant the same thing. So conceptually, the Bible is kind of taking a different uh, a viewpoint of that uh, at stake is whether a person has in mind an unusual circumstance uh, when he makes a condition, does he say, oh, well, I'm probably going to die from this disease, so here's your get if I die from this disease. That's what he meant? Or he meant if I die from anything, and in the back of his mind, he says, well, maybe it's something unusual that might happen, and maybe I won't die from this disease, but some, something else, but I still want to be a get. Does a person have in mind unusual thing or not? So because the, the Bavli is um, focusing on that concept, and in that, in that case, there should be no distinction between the language here and the language there, therefore it rejects the um, the uh, Badaita altogether, and uh, so that becomes the um, uh, the argument of whether, in general, we should take into account something unusual. And of us is no, we should not. Okay, fun story of Rav Papa and Rav Huna, the son of Rabbi of Rav Yehoshua. Um, they bought some sesame seeds on the bank of this Malka River, but they needed to get the sesame seeds that they bought to the other side of the river. So they hired sailors to cross it to the other side. And um, the sailors said, we will accept upon ourselves responsibility for any accident that should happen. If the boat should sink, right, if it should fall over, whatever happens, we will, um, we will accept responsibility. We'll pay for the damage, right? And um, we'll pay for the uh, insurance uh, for the freight. Okay, good. In the end, Malka River was dammed and they could not transport it across the river. That's an unusual uh, event. You know, more likely is a case where uh, it falls off the boat or sinks. Um, this is unusual. So now, does, does their insurance cover this, their guarantee? So the sages who were the ones hiring them, the sailors, they're the ones that also decided the matter. Okay, so this is difficult if you get into a business deal with the very judges that will decide um, what happens uh, if, the, if the deal goes wrong. Uh, so the, the uh, two rabbis, they judge the case for their own benefit. Um, Rapapa and Ravuna, and they say, "Listen, you accepted upon yourself any responsibility. You didn't get it. Didn't get it across, even though it wasn't your fault because someone uh, 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 dammed up the river. Um, but you're responsible, and you have to go hire donkeys and transport these sesame seeds right all the way around over land, which would be a big expense. But you you um, you uh, guaranteed it, so you have to pay for it." 
But then they all came to Rava. Um, again, Rava, same as we just uh, saw, Rava, who says that you don't take into account very unusual circumstances. And Rava calls these two sages um, white geese, meaning they have long white beards, like uh, look like, but it's a, it's a pejorative. Right, and you strip men of their cloaks. You take people. You take people's clothing away. Right, you unfairly judge the case for your own personal benefit. And if you looked at it uh, uh, objectively, as we said before, sevara. Right, um, that by zibata sevara, any uh, re reasonable person would say this is an accident that's uncommon. And we don't take that into account, even though the sailor said, we'll pay for, uh, we will guarantee it, and right, we'll pay for something that goes wrong. They meant a usual type of accident, not this unusual accident, and therefore the sailors do not have to pay. Here you have your sesame seeds, you find a different way to get it across. All right, really fascinating Talmudic discussion. And that brings us to the next Mishnah. Now here we hear the same case. The husband gives a get to his wife. He's sick. He gives a get to his wife, says, here is your get that it will take effect from now if I should die from this sickness. So now he may live, let's say he lives a month. Right during uh, from the time he gives the get until he actually dies, right? Some uh, amount of time. It doesn't matter how long it is. Um, what what is her status during that month? Are they married or are they not married? I mean, right now they are married because the condition didn't kick in yet. Um, the problem is that once the condition kicks in, when he kicks off, he dies. Then retroactively from the month before, she will have been divorced. Which means if you look at it from afterwards, she is divorced. So you have a time travel paradox, right? So what, how should we act during that time? The Mishnah says they should not be alone together. Um, and rather, it doesn't mean literally witnesses. It means even one person. Not be, always be, be with someone else in the room. Do not have Yichud. They should not be sleeping in their uh, bedroom together alone. Uh, they, they should not have Yichud. Why not? Um, well, because if in the end she, he does die and then retroactively they are divorced, well, then they're, they're not allowed to be together. She's single, right? They're not married and you're not allowed to have Yichud with an unmarried woman. Furthermore, and even more complicated, is that if they have relations together during that time, well, if it's relations that's zinut, um, just promiscuity, it's not good, but they, uh, next, okay, they, whatever, they did what they did. The problem, the bigger problem is if they do, if they have relations and they have in mind, this will be for Kiddushin, right? Just like you can activate Kiddushin with a ring, uh, with a shtad, you can also do it with bia. And if they have in mind that this, they're going to be together and this is a marriage ceremony, then they are married once again, which would mean that they would need a second get. So even if after he dies retroactive that get takes effect from the day he gave it, but then after that time they were together for the sake of Kiddushin, then they are remarried. Um, and then the get that was given before will not uh, undo that marriage. And so um, we don't want that to happen, therefore we say don't be alone together.
Good. Afilu al al pi ayabed. Afilu al pi shivcha. Chus mishivchata mipnesi liba gasba peshivchata. Here you see it doesn't have to be two witnesses that are always watching them to testify that they weren't together. That's the point is not testimony because you see here even if it's one person, even if one person is an ayabed or a shivcha who are not, they can't be witnesses. That that's fine. The point is that you're not secluded together, and that way um, people generally are not going to have relations with each other if there's someone else in the room except for her maidservant if it's her own personal maidservant she's not embarrassed in front of her maidservant um, she is accustomed to her and therefore she may very well have relations with her hus husband ex-husband slash right husband slash ex-husband uh, in front of her maidservant and so the maid her maidservant will not work to um, break the yichud, but rather you need someone else, anyone else there in the room, and that way we can, we they will keep away from each other, and then uh, we know that they didn't have relations, and then eventually when he dies, then we uh, then uh, they'll be on good behavior, and uh, we know that that divorce will kick in, and that they didn't have relations in between, that re might re be a re uh, engagement. Okay, mahi beotan hayamim. Now, during those times in between, um, uh, what is her status, right? If she would sleep with someone else, uh, what would that, what would that, how would we judge her? Since the husband didn't die yet, and therefore at that time she is fully married. Even though we don't want her to do yichud, to have yichud with her husband, nevertheless she is still fully married at that time. If she would go and have relations with someone else, so that would be eshet ish, and she would get all the punishments that a regular eshet ish would have. No, it's um, she's divorced and not divorced. Right, right now she's not divorced, but eventually when he dies, retroactively she will be divorced, so therefore we have to treat it as a safek. The difference would be, let's say it was bishogeg. Um, she uh, she slept with someone unwittingly. Uh, according to the Yehuda, she would have to bring a korban hatat for um, sinning by mistake, but definitely sinning. According to the Yosef, she would bring an asham talui. That's when you're not sure. I did something. I ate something. I'm not sure. Was it forbidden fat? Was it permitted fat? You're bringing asham talui. So that's what the case would be here. Since at that point she was married, but then retroactively she wasn't married. Um, it, it brings a, a an, or, or, and even at that point, she doesn't know if he will die and it will be undone. So therefore, um, according to the Biyoseh, it will be a, uh, a, a, um, uh, a sham talui. All right, that is the Mishnah. Now we're going to read a, a Baraita found in the Tosefta. It's a bit confusing to parse the cases of this uh, Tosefta. And we're going to have three different opinions about how to parse it, what case each line is talking about. So uh, if you don't uh, understand all the lines, that's good. That means you understood it correctly. Okay, so the same case the husband gives, they get on condition, if I die retroactively, this should be happen from now. Now, at that point, they're not supposed to be secluded together. But what if they are secluded together and witnesses see that, right? And it says, I saw them. They went into that hotel room together and there was Yehud. Um, so if witnesses saw that they were together in the dark or that 
uh, she slept uh, with him under the bed where nobody could see what happened over there. Uh, we do not suspect that they actually engaged in marital relations, even though they shouldn't be together. We didn't actually see them have an act of bi'ah. They just were secluded. So we assume that they didn't do anything. Okay. Now, now the next clause it doesn't say so, but it seems that you have to say uh, if they did see, if the witnesses did see an act of bi'ah, right? Oh, we, we walked into the room, we saw them uh, be, having bi'ah, then how should we classify that bi'ah? According to Tanakama, we suspect that it was because of zinut. Um, that they didn't mean to remarry. They, uh, well, I mean, they, they, they were married and they actually still are married. Just retroactively, they might not end up being married because the get might uh, kick in retroactively. So anyway, when they're together, we can assume that they had in mind this would be zinut, which again is not good. Um, it's not morally uh, uh, um, uh, exemplary, but they won't be remarried, and so they won't need a second get, right? We don't have to worry that they had in mind Kiddushin, so that's according to Tanakama. However, Rebiyoseh says, we assume that they want to, they, they have in mind that this would be Kiddushin. He just gave her a get, a get al-Tanai, but you know, they really like each other. Poor guy, he has, he has a fatal disease. And so now, when they had relations, they say, you know what, we have in mind, I, I want to, uh, you are mikudesha to me once again, even if that get should, should be good, I want you to, I'm marrying you again through this kiddushin. We assume that they do have that in mind, not that they're being, uh, so he's treating her like a zona, this is his wife, he's going to treat his wife like a zona. So we assume it's kiddushin, and therefore, they, they, he will have to give her a get, an, an, another get. That is the tosefta. Now we're going to analyze it. My ka'amar. Amar Rav Nachman, Amar Rababad Abu, Hachi ka'amar. Ra'u ha'shanib ala, choshashin mishum kiddushin. Natana kesafim, choshashin mishum zinut. Tamrinan, be'et nana, natana, ve'en choshashin mishum kiddushin. Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda, Omer, af bezo choshashin mishum kiddushin. So Rav Nachman, in the name of Rababad Abu, gives the first interpretation. And it says, okay, the first part is as we said, if they only saw Yichud, then we assume that they didn't have relations together, so they're, they're good to go, right? No, no, no problem, they're not remarried. Um, but if we did see them together, so now Rav Nachman is adding in another issue that it doesn't say anywhere regarding money. And so this is what it means. If they saw that there was actually Bi'ah, then we have to assume that it was for Kiddushin. Right? Because they're together, they love each other, and uh, they were married, they, we assume that they want to get remarried. That's even Tanakama thinks that. However, if he gave her money, the witnesses saw he paid her. Then we assume that's Zinut. And we say, what was that payment? That was a, a hire of a zona. And that's why he paid her, even though they were married before, but now there's a, this get, this altana in between, and now he's, he's, he's buying her services. And if, so, if there's a money exchange, then we assume it's not Kiddushin. Okay, so again, it doesn't say anything here about money or not money, but that's Rav Nachman's, inter Rav Nachman's interpretation, because you see you have two lines here. You have to explain something or other. Um, it says, Choshishin mishum zenut, ve'en choshishin mishum Kiddushin.
So we interpret this as if there's an extra line here that was missing, that if uh, there was no money exchange, then we assume that is Kiddushin. Tanakama would say that. Only if there is a money exchange, then we assume that that's Zinut, um, because he gave her money as a, as a payment, and we don't worry at all that we don't assume that it was before Kiddushin. Now this reading... What, one, something else that it helps with is this word af, because Bio says saying even here we assume that it's kiddushin. Well, if he's saying even here, we see as bezo af bezo. Even here we word as kiddushin. If Bio is saying the word af, it means he's adding a stringency to another case, but that assumes that the Tanakhama already is stringent about a case. Um, if you just read this straight through without any additions, the Tanakhama um, says there's no problem at all. Either they had no relations at all, or he says here, even if they had relations, we assume, we assume that's for Zenut, and you don't have to worry about Kiddushin, so that's leniency. So then there's no room to say Af, right, also here, right, there is no case according to Tanakhama that, that we worry about Kiddushin. So Rav Nachman um, explains it more smoothly by adding in this, ad, this added condition. Um, that if there is uh, no money, then you're right. Then yes, kiddushin. Everybody agrees. But if there is payment, Tanakama says that the payment is zinut, and the Bioses says even if there is payment, we assume that's kiddushin. He's giving her a gift, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Um, they were married after all, so we, why why would you assume that he's treating her as a zona? All right, that is the first interpretation. Now we're going to bring in a different machloket. This is from later on in the Talmud on uh, Badaf eighty one. There's a mishnah there. Um, that's the, that mishnah is a machloket between Bet Hillel and Bet Shammai. If someone divorces his wife, just a regular case of divorce right now, not on condition, and then after the divorce. They are together in a hotel. Um, so what do we do with, with that? Bet Shammai says they do not re require a second get. We assume that this was just Zenut, and um, even though they divorced, but oh, they still had feelings for each other, but they have, even despite those feelings, they just did Zenut. And so they're not, they're not remarried. Bet Hillel says they require a second get. Um, because we assume that these relations that they had, he's not going to treat her like a zona. So the relations uh, they had in mind would be for kiddushin, right? They missed each other, want to get remarried, and so he had be out with her for kiddushin, and therefore they would require a second get. That's the machloket over there. Now that machloket itself has uh, different interpretations, and this is one of them. Keman Regard that Mishnah doesn't say, it just says that he was with her in a hotel. It doesn't say, did they see her just a yichud, or did the witnesses actually see them um, uh, having bi'ah together? So, um, Rababa Barhana says, the machloket is when the witnesses actually saw that they had bi'ah. So we know that they had bi'ah, and there, Bet, Bet, Bet Shammai says, it's for zinut, it's okay. Bet Hillel says it's for kiddushin, they need another get. 
But if they did not see that, they only saw that they went into a, uh, into a hotel room, they had Yichud, but they didn't see any act, then according to the Baba Barchana, everyone would agree, would agree that they do not require get. Even Beti Leil would say, it was just Yichud, we don't have to assume that anything happened. Now, who's a pin, who is Rabbah Babar Hana following in terms of our Machloket? And we answer, Kedibre HaKol. How so? Both Bet Hillel and Bet Shammai agree that if they only saw Yichud, then we don't assume that they had relations. And that's true in our Baraita also. Both opinions agreed that if there was only Yichud, then we assume that there was no relations and you don't need to get. Uh, conversely, if the witnesses did see something has, did see bi'ah, then ba, bet uh, hilel would say that they require a get. We want, uh, we assume that Baba Chana is uh, going to follow bet hilel lehalacha, and so you require a get. Who says you require a get when they actually saw bi'ah in our b'raita? Both opinions, if there's no money, right? Rabbi uh, said, even if there is money, but if there's no money exchange, then even Tanakama said, we assume that this was not Zenut, this was for Kiddushin, and therefore you require a second get. And so, the opinion of Bet that you require a second get, if there is testimony that they had Bi'ah, is consistent with both the Tanakama and Rabbi uh, son of Rabbi Yehuda. Okay, so that's that's a good uh, thing for this first interpretation of Rab Nachman, that he can be he can follow any opinion. There is a problem, however, you just made up this whole thing about if there is money or not money. The original wording of the Baraita does not say anything about money. You had to add that in, that yeah, if there's no money, then even Tanakama would agree is Kiddushin. Didn't say anything about that. So that's not a valid interpretation. Or at least he doesn't like it. says, I have a smoother interpretation. In this interpretation, again, everyone agrees if they only, if the witnesses only saw Yichud, but they didn't see Bi'ah, then we assume that there was no Bi'ah happened and they can, uh, they, they don't require a second get. However, if they did see Bi'ah, then we assume, the Tanakhama says, we assume it's Zinut, we never assume it's Kiddushin, right? So, so they were together, uh, they, uh, they had a, a, a mishap, all right, they, uh, their desire overcame them, but it's only for Zinut, not good, but no, no Kiddushin, and so they don't require a get. Uh, Rabbi Yosef says, we assume it is Kiddushin, they require a get. Okay, so and according to this interpretation, um, which is, reads more smoothly, you don't have to add any uh, conditions about money, we ask the same question. The Machloket on 81a between Bet Hillel and Bet Shammai. Rabbi Baruchana says the Machloket only applies when they actually saw the Bi'ah, but if they didn't see the Bi'ah, everyone would agree that you don't require a get. Who does that follow? Okay, now in the case where there was only, they only saw Yichud, okay, fine, then everyone agrees in both this Baraita and in that Mishnah, um, everyone would agree that you don't require a get. So that is not a problem. The problem is when they, they did, they, the, the witnesses did see Bi'ah, and uh, in, according to our, in our Baraita, only the Biyoseh, Bidibiyodah, requires a get, not Tanakama. 
And therefore, in that machloket, assuming that Rabbi Baruch Hanad is going to follow Bet Hillel, who requires a get, in what case would Bet Hillel require a get? That would only be true according to the Biyoseb and Biyoda. Because in, and according to Tanakama, there actually is no case when you would ever require a get. Even if they saw Bi'ah, we write it off as Zinut. So this is a limitation of Abaye's interpretation that it can only, it's, it's boxing the uh, Baba Barchana into a minority opinion. Okay, now we have another problem here, a textual problem at Kifla Rava. Imken, my af. Our problem with Abaye's uh, interpretation is that the word af is out of place. Rabbi Yoseb Rabbi Yudah said, also in this case, that we assume it's for Kiddushin and there's a prohibition. What do you mean also in this case? Tanakamat didn't provide any case that would be for Kiddushin and that you would require a get, no matter what. So it doesn't make sense to say also in this case. You'd leave out the word also, say, I disagree. And I think uh, uh, it is called Zinut, not also in this case, just in this case. So um, uh, it's hard for Abayet to interpret this word af. Rather, a third interpretation, Ela Amarava. As follows, Tanakhama says, if the witnesses only saw Yichud, then uh, we assume nothing happened and it's okay. If they saw Yichud, according to Tanakhama, then we assume that it is, uh, that it's just Zinut and it's also okay. Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yudah says, even if they didn't see Yichud, we assume that they had Yichud and it's for Kiddushin. And this interpretation there, um, in, you know, extreme, in uh, extremes apart, Tanakhama says, it's, you never have a problem. Rabbi Yosef says, you'll always have a problem. Even if the witnesses only saw Yichud, we assume it's Kiddushin. Okay, so Rava, in that sense, uh, maybe reads uh, the most uh, smoothly. Rava can explain the word af, because here, Rabbi Yosef says, I disagree with you not only in the case, uh, I disagree with you even in the case where they don't only saw Yichud. In that case, regarding Yichud, you said that they didn't, probably didn't, they, we assume they didn't have relations at all. All right, but say, I'm, I, if it just didn't say af, I would say, okay, I disagree with you in this last case that you said when they have, when they saw bi'ah. But that word af says, I disagree with you even if they um, only had Yichud. So he explained the word af. Reads the read smoothly in the Braita, and now we ask the same question as for the others. Interpreted machloket between Bet Hillel and Bet Shammai only when they saw Yichud, uh, when they saw Bi'ah, but if they only saw Yichud, then everyone agrees that you do not require a get. Keman, de lo kehad, this is inconsistent with any of the interpretations um, in this Braita. In other words, Rabbah Barchana, um, who's um, who has an opinion about the machlok between Bet Hillel and Bet Shammai cannot possibly explain Bet Hillel, who says you require a get, but he said you that Bet Hillel would require a get only in the case when they saw when the witnesses saw bi'ah. But that's not true according to either opinion. According to Tanakama, you never require a get. Um, even if they saw bi'ah, we write it off as zinut. 
and according to Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda, we require a get even if they only saw Yehud. And Rabbi Babar Khana says no. When there's uh, when uh, when there's when they only saw Yehud, then you do not require a get. And so the this um, the opinion of Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda, is in between and requires and uh, require. Uh, is on an extreme, and Tanakhama is on the other extreme, whereas Betilel, according to Rabbi Babarchana, is right in between, that he requires a get when there was a testimony of Bi'ah, does not require a get when there's testimony only for Yichud, and that middle position is not found according to Rava's interpretation of this Baraita, where Tanakama and Biose are on both extremes. And so here you see that each of these um, three interpretations has a pro and a con. The first one fits um, it helps Rababa Balchana the most, but is hardest to fit into the wording of the Braita. The second one fits better into the words of the Braita because it doesn't need Kesef, but explain, can't explain the word Af, so it's in between middle, but you have to box in uh, Rababa Balchana into only the minority opinion. The last uh, opinion fits the wording of the Braita the best, but now it presents a problem that Rabbah Babar Khana cannot be according to either opinion. And so you see that these various three interpretations are weighing these pros and cons of reading the Braita in the smoothest way. On the other hand, trying to reconcile Rabbah Babar Khana with the most Tanaim possible. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.